0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Let Me Just Say This. This is a very special episode because I have my big brother on with me. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Sure, why not? Uh, I'm a, <laughs> a nice big brother, Bo Money, Bo Mani. Not Bo <laughs> Mani, but Bo Mani. Uh, 29 years old, and I'm currently incarcerated in California State Prison
0: so yeah i just wanted to get into a couple things with you today because i know you have a very um particular circumstance but i i think there's a lot of things that i really admire about you that i've noticed and um i just want to talk about that there's also a couple funny things that i want to talk about as well so we can go ahead and get right into it just for background you went into prison in 2013
1: no, twenty eleven.
0: Twenty eleven. That's when it all started. So, okay, what was twenty so, yeah. thirteen?
1: Okay, twenty. Okay, twenty thirteen. I was. Well, I got to the prison in twenty twelve, June twenty twelve. So I was in prison in June twenty twelve. Twelve thirteen. I was. I ended up in Prison.
0: Mm-hmm. So you went into prison twenty eleven. You were eighteen at that time, right?
1: Yes, I was.
0: So how was that? I feel like that's probably the most scariest experience ever. I'd be terrified.
1: Yeah, I was I was scared, but it was like, there's no time to be scared. You don't have no room for that. So you have to put all that aside. Mm-hmm. So like take every interaction, person to person, Yeah, dealing with people on an individual basis as you meet them. But at that time, I was the mm-hmm. youngest person at that prison. So it was like, they're looking at me like, man, you, you're a real ass kid. And I'm like, and they had they, they're also older than me, so they had kids my age. So it was like kind of like like their father and them came out, but then it was still like, okay, you're still a prison. Right?
0: Yeah. I always think about that when I think about you being in prison, the fact that you went in so young. um, I think that's the thing that I feel like was hardest for me to handle was the fact that you went in when you were just kind of getting into being like a young man and an adult. And you never really had that experience because, you know, the choices we make, the path that we go along takes us to wherever it takes us. And yours just happened to lead you to prison. So I think I kind of struggled with that, like finding out that you were going, I, I was really afraid for you. I was really nervous about it. And I think just the idea that you'd be there for so long. But every time I talked to you, you seemed optimistic. You seemed very positive. Whoa. That's something Whoa. I really want to talk about with you. Because every time I talk to you, you seem to be in, for the most part, at least portray a good mindset. Right.
1: Well, I don't think it's like portraying a good mindset, but it's I had the mindset of understanding that if I think negative, only negative things will happen. Mm-hmm. But if I put that energy into something positive, maybe something positive can happen. And also, mm-hmm. change always happens, so it's not like everything, anything is permanent. So, so how I do my time is I look at the, I look at the good instead of the bad. Okay, I'm yeah. here because I made a decision that I I made a decision on my own. Okay, what can I get out of that? I'm still young, mm-hmm. I still grow, so why dwell on the past? I'm trying to move forward. So I figure that just stay positive, stay positive, do positive things. Eventually, something going to happen. Because I've seen a lot of times where dudes get a lot of time and they're stressed out and they just self-destruct. They lose hope. Yeah. They just want to just, just destruct themselves in a way that, like, don't benefit them at all and not understanding that in prison, it's, a, it's about the long-term effects of your actions. So it's like what I do now will affect my future. So that's what I always try to keep in mind like, okay, I'm doing now, I better for me be in the future. So that's how I usually do my time. Well, that's how I do my time.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a really good point, too, to um, accountability. I well, think you do a great job of being accountable. Um, when the family talks about your experience and even with me and my own opinion on why you ended up in prison. I don't necessarily put all the onus on you, even though you are the person who made the choices. I think what? there were so many contributing factors in your life what? at the time that I can give you grace. Like, even though it's something crazy, like people might ask me what you're in prison for and I'll tell them and they'll be like, oh, wow, that's wild. And I, I also have to explain to them, I'm like, okay, well, this isn't, this was is happening, <laughs> but I've never heard you what? make an excuse. I never heard you be like, it wasn't me, or I didn't do it, or I'm here because of somebody else. Like, I've always just heard you be like, okay, well, I'm here. This is what happened. This is what I'm trying to do.
1: Right. Well, I have, I have to come to terms with that because, you know, being young, you know, you're still young-minded, but a lot of it contributed to my mental health. Because, mm-hmm. you know, at that time, I spend my time, I was going through a whole lot, but I really had nobody to talk to it somebody went to, or I thought people were there for me, who were not. And it was like, I hit 18, it kind of went kind of fast. Like, I hit 18, I got kicked out. I didn't even kicked out. I was a leader for that. But I was on the streets, and it was like, mm-hmm. what am I doing? It was so much compiled up over the years that I could like, I don't care what happens to me. I could die today or I could hurt somebody. Nobody's going to care. So it was like, it was like a whole bunch of pressure just like this, not enough because I just exploded. I didn't care. And it was like, who cares? I'll think about it later on. So there was really no rational thinking what I was doing because I didn't understand or I didn't have no guidance to understand. So that's why mm-hmm. as I go through my, I'm always taking accountability because like, I put myself here, but the main point to the is that I wasn't, I wasn't truly. I wasn't truly there. So in order for me to be uh, to make a positive change, I have to work for myself and my mental health and make sure I can be the person I want to be, no matter where I'm at. You know, I believe in uh, everything happens for a reason. So I'm here for a reason. So I just feel that when I get out, I'll be a better person.
0: For sure. Do you ever and and let me know if this is like too much, but do you ever feel like our father played a a significant role in how all of us, not just you, but how all of us turned out.
1: I'm saying yes and no because okay, well, first let's look at it generationalized. Big Abby was in the military Mm and that's a single mom at home kinda raised four kids by herself. So I think that played a big part too, because it's like if he didn't do something to support his family how are they going to eat? How are they going to have a look head? And him not being there, it affected Pops, I think, his whole little way of thinking, his whole, just the way he grew mm-hmm. up as like a man. And not to mention that the death of the younger brother, Uncle Duncan, to which now it's like you're raised by a woman and now your brother just died in your gas I overseas when it happened. I'm not sure. I don't know the story, but even if that was the case, coping with that, how do you cope with your little brother with grandmother or your mother there to console you without being with mm-hmm. your dad like hey she's to like son we'll you know what I mean I feel yes I feel like he did contribute because of part of the way he was man it was like mm-hmm. he was still hurting like, like you said earlier hurt hurt people hurting other people that's what he was doing and not realizing it. but at the same time it's like you're a grown adult yeah trying to have all these damn kids and it's not stable. Mm -hmm. So when it's not stable in the home, it's going to roll over to the the kids.
0: Each of us, we really were affected in a different way, to be honest. Like, Duncan has his his way. You know, Jenny has her way. My sisters, Jason, you. We all were affected in a different way. And we all cope and deal with that in a different way. And I think it also, of course, led us to the past that we're on now. So I... I say we have made our own choices and we can take accountability for that. However, you know, even with my mom, I think she still yeah. played a significant role as well. So I would say, yes, he did. For me, he did. Mom did as well for me. And um, I just think about that when I think about your situation and going yeah. to prison and being so young and not having your father figure Really, like, that was there, but you know how it was. You know what I'm saying? We, we grew up in a very dysfunctional household. So it is difficult what? to expect you to, to turn up to be the best you. And, and really, in reality, for me, I got lucky because in my adolescence, going into what? my teenagehood, I had a father figure in the house. Jenny had someone raising her until she was like seven years old. Like we had that stable, like that, that stability that our father could not offer us. And I don't think if I had that father figure, I would turn, would have turned out the way that I am now. I definitely don't think I would have. So I can't even imagine what it would have been like for you. what your story would have looked like if our, if our father was better.
1: That was kind of my father's figure, but it wasn't like uh, show me how to do things, stuff like that. It's like he was there, you know. He went follow be he He was a man of he don't speak that much, but you know, he was there. I feel like that sometimes he was trying yeah. to make up for his, his lost time with his own children. at times, you know. And there'll be times I get in trouble, and he'll be like, get in the car. And I'm like, man, where are we going? And then go just drive and just turn on some jazz and we just sit there. Just driving. Just going nowhere, just driving. So I was like,
0: I don't know. Yeah. Uncle Kevin and this really ties into what I said in my in episode five when I was talking about forgiving our dad and seeing him as a person and not you know, he wasn't born to be our dad. He was a person who went through his own trauma and experiences that led yeah. him to be the way that he was. Uncle Kevin, when when grandma died, And I went to the funeral. Um, Uncle Kevin, he gave me a hug when I first saw him. And he said to me, he whispered in my ear and he was like, be nice to your dad today. His mom just died. And that shit is real as fuck because I really was walking into that situation like really on fuck him. Like I really was walking in there like I don't care about him. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to see him. But Uncle Kevin, he reminded me like this is a person and his mom just died. So I had to like yeah. take a step back and look at things from that right. perspective. And That's so important. when it comes to his effect on you and on our our family, I just think it's unfortunate, but it's common. Like I said earlier, I was like I was like a lot of the times young black men end up in jail because yeah. they don't have guidance or because they come from households that aren't um stable. And then they're put in prison and they're not given any second chances or their childhood Mm -hmm. isn't taken into account. They're just seen as a thug or a gangster or or a a gang member or a menace to society. And like you got to think about how people got to this point because it doesn't help to put young men away like they did you for all these years and not give you a second chance, not give you a chance to be rehabilitated.
1: There's never a, a why until later on. So it's like, okay, well, 10 years later, we'll ask why later. But it's really, but it's like, when you do that to young people, you destroy something in them that's, you destroy any kind of sense of hope or growing up mm-hmm. or you get them feeling like, man, oh, well, yeah. they convicted me, so this is who I am. You make them into an animals. You know? So it's like, a lot of people, like, for instance, when I was in Pelican Bay, I was the youngest one, but there were some that came after me, and they didn't know no better. So they only did what mm-hmm. they already knew from when they got locked. They continue in that path. There's no, like, i even in here with the, with the Christian officers or the counselors that say, hey, man, uh, look, I'm going to sign you up for this program. It's mm-hmm. like, if you don't ask about it, we're not going to tell you about it. We're just going to let you do what you do. So it's like, really, like, how do you help in the situation? It gets worse because you are so coming to the abortion that goes on in here mm-hmm. they're learning the right way to try to get out of jail you get stuck right. self-destruction Quiet. it's a battle it's, it's really a, a mental health thing cause it's,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it'll break you down if you're not strong enough to understand or
0: see I mean, I think that's so unfortunate but I'm really happy that you choose to go the way that you go and choose to have the mentality that you do with the optimism and the hope and keeping faith right. and knowing that, you know, the choices you make now is really going to pay off for you later on.
1: Right. And so I just really take this down. was right. so like, if I'm going to be here for this long, I might as well make use of the time. This is the best mm-hmm. time for anybody because I don't have the distractions guys have out there in society. I can sit here and really focus on curriculum, the things I want to learn. I can learn new talents, a uh, uh, new trades, and be the best yeah. at it in here. So then, when I get out, I'll be the best I can be. And not just to mention that, like we have TV's. some people call it the dumb box, but I look at it and I get inspired by it. I see the moves, see what's going on. I look for ways to try to fix it. Like I told mm-hmm. you before, I'm going to be the first. You hear it on this. You heard it on this. This podcast. I'm gonna be the first lifer who got out of jail and became a billionaire. Then I'm just gonna give it all away.
0: <laughs> Let me just say this: if you become a billionaire and give it all away, I'm gonna be upset. I hope you're giving some away to me.
1: Everybody, <laughs> all you guys are gonna get your portions, but then the rest of it, I'm giving it away.
0: You heard it here first. So let's just shift gears a little bit because I want to talk to you about. Legacy, like you said, we are the next generation. I had a conversation with Portia, my cousin Portia, well, our cousin, <laughs> about this. And she was like, you know, it's our time now. Like our aunts mm-hmm. and uncles and parents are older yeah. now, they're starting to have grandkids. Like it right. is our time now to set the tone for how we right. want the family to move and how we want to progress and what legacy we want right. for our name. And I just felt like that was so much pressure.
1: <laughs> it is, right? But it's, it's a reality. And like uh, you got to take mm-hmm. small steps. The first thing we need to all do is communicate with each other. That's it. Mm-hmm.
0: That, that's the start of it. So in regard to your legacy, I know you, you said you want to be the first lifer to become a billionaire and give it all away. But besides that, what does your legacy look like to you?
1: Uh, my legacy looks like just I want to do or say something mm-hmm. have an impact on everybody's lives, even if I don't become an earthquake. So if I can make a difference in one person's life and they remember, like, oh, man, he taught me this, I'm okay with that. Because I helped a mm-hmm. lot of people in my time. And I have a lot of friends. Like, before I delete my Facebook, I had a lot of friends. It wasn't because uh, I was popular. It was because I treated everybody like humans. I, mm-hmm. I, I was I was like a um I used to call myself a Robin Hood. I'll put myself up to get in trouble or harm to help the next person. And mm-hmm. I was just selfless. That, that, yeah, I was selfless. Like I can do the bare minimum and as long as the other person is happy, I'm okay with that. And so that's just part of my life. I'm still trying to figure that out part. That part out though.
0: So I think for me, my legacy, a big part of my legacy is family. I want to have a family. I want to be married. I want like five kids. I want a little basketball team. I went though. No. I want to be married before 30 and hopefully starting on my first child before 30. Probably like 27, 28, maybe. Um, but we'll see what what happens. <laughs> Um What if it doesn't happen
1: By 27 Or Like what is your plan B like
0: If it doesn't happen by then Then I Am okay with just waiting Until it happens for me But I know it's gonna happen for me And I wanted to ask you uh, How you feel about that Like How many kids do you what? want Do you want kids Like What is it like trying to Have romantic relationships In prison
1: Um uh, Maybe like romantically and here, it's pretty hard because, you know, if people don't believe in you, they won't last. Most of my mm-hmm. relationships that I've been in, they never believed in me. They always thought I was mm-hmm. lying. When I them myself. Even when I can see documents, documentation, I'm like, look, look, I'm telling the truth. So it's hard because they couldn't see what I see. So mm-hmm. It's like, they feel like, oh, they hear life. like, oh, yeah, he's never going to get out. I'm not really understanding that. The laws mm-hmm. change, and now they've been letting out lifers from left to right. So it's like, it's hard, but I just take it as, now I know what I want through these relationships. I know that I don't want my mm-hmm. significant other to give up on me, ever, because I'm going to never give up on them. I'm always, even, all like, yeah. most of my relationships I've been in, we're still friends, even after we broke up. Because... Like mm-hmm. what's the point? Like I like my best relationship came from when we were friends first. And like because I know I I know you doing through. You know me doing through. So it's like if it if you didn't work out, we're still friends, but she was a friend, so why not call? I'm still there to give advice to the party who need it, even the ear to just to just talk my ear off. I I don't mind. But dating is hard. But I right now I'm to be thirty, so it's like, man. You know, your twenties is cool. Your, your teens is like, all right, you don't care, don't give a shit. Your twenties like, okay, it's so a little party time. By twenty-five, you're supposed to be like on your way to being established and got your career going. In my thirty, it's like, all right, you're to buy your first house, apartment, start your family, and then go from there, raise them all the way to, mm-hmm. you know. So in a lot of a t- lot of times for me, I feel like I'm behind. So I feel like I don't have time to be. Behind dating and all that kind of stuff anymore.
0: I mean... You're just trying to find somebody and get right to it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to see
1: who's going to be there for me and I'm going to be there for <laughs>
0: That's why you're trying to get me to hook you up with my friends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just... But, you know, she don't have the belief. So, it's like, if she don't believe and just think I'm a bullshit kind of guy, it's never
0: going to work. That's a really hard ask, Bo. Like, that's a super hard ask. It is.
1: It is. That's why that's why I tell them you can unrank shit, but I understand if you get you may be new to this. Anytime you sleep, I understand because this is not easy. Because there's gonna be times where I go in lockdown, I get moved. Sporadic things will happen. I won't be able to talk to you. I won't be able to write mm-hmm. you. There's things that happen that you're gonna miss me and it's gonna you're gonna feel a disconnect. So anytime, just let me know. I'm gonna be honest with you. I act that in time. And so, you know, I've had test ones where people are like, you know what? And I'm going to try All right, cool. And if they say, you know what? It's not like, oh, all right, that's mm-hmm. all right. But how are you doing? What's going on? I still call on birthdays and mm-hmm. cards, holiday cards. I still, do, I still do all of that because I care, still. I'm not going to disown you because, mm-hmm. um, oh, she do not want to be with me because I'm locked up. Forget her. Nah, that's childish. I'm grown now, so I can't do stuff like that.
0: In regards to fatherhood... We talked about fathers not being present. I, I know that you will be as present as you could possibly be, but it still isn't the same as like having you in the household. So, you know, a little birdie told me you wanted to get somebody pregnant on a conjugal. And I'm just wondering how the logistics is going to work out because having a kid, especially with someone who's behind bars or like not physically in the house, is that something that you are reserving for after you get out or you're willing to have children while you're in prison?
1: Well, like 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 I said, I'm a very optimistic person, right? So I take it by the time my child before they hit their teens, I'll be mm-hmm. home. So kind of schools go, Okay, I'll get married, whatever the case may be, we get have this every ninety mm-hmm. days. So we take nine months to make a ba- baby, so that means I have well, three times visits before while the husband is going for the baby to mm-hmm. be born, and ain't no telling like in the future what's going on with these laws. So in the timeframe between the baby being born by the time you reach eighteen, I have a high chance of being home. But I don't know if you knew this, but I had a baby. But, she got an abortion.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. My
1: child will be, what, 12, 13, 10, 9 years old right mm-hmm. now? But I think I, I looked at myself now, and I'm like, I'm happy. Because like you said, that'll just be repeating the cycle. If I'm not there, and he's going through these certain mm-hmm. things, and these you know, jobs I've been having them contacting people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't want to be an absent father at all. So, if I do find a significant other, and we do decide want to try a baby, you know, it's just going to be my motivation even to put more hard work into getting out. Pressing my line on these lawyers and, these yeah. and stuff like that to make it happen. But,
0: yeah, I think it's realistic, but... But I have a question, though. Would it not worry you if a girl comes in, she's talking about I'm pregnant, that the baby could be somebody else's? Is infidelity and cheating and stuff like that not a thought for you?
1: I mean, it used to be a thought. It used to be a thought when I was younger, but then mm-hmm. it's like, like, I'm I'm really going to take the face value for it. Like, I'm going on right, I trust you. But that is a somebody, like, say, for instance, say, what well, day I'm getting consequences. I know, I know, you're doing some things. And I know she could possibly be pregnant. Then there should be nothing I should worry about. But mm-hmm. if that does happen, I mean, it is what it is. I can't do nothing about it but either stick by her if she's my wife and try to get through it try to help raise that child as possibly as my own and how they, how they go. But that'll be something mm-hmm. that I'll probably hold over his head
0: forever. Like, yeah, you have a, a much more mature mindset than a lot of guys that I know now that are better that are in their 30s, uh, yeah. to be honest. And I think I, I, I <laughs> we can attribute that to your experience in prison. I think that's crazy because you and I had to grow up and mature <sighs> In two different ways. Right. Yeah. Because you're in prison, I'm in the military. Like, how stark of a, a contrast is that? And then Jason, that's the other thing. That's crazy because JJ is a correctional officer. Right. <laughs> it's like, that's wild to me. Yeah. I'm, okay, well, have you ever heard of the, ace, uh, the ACEs? No. I can
1: tell you, the ACEs is the average childhood effect basically saying that if it's basically saying that just because we all grew up in the same environment, not all of us them shop the same. And it and it, like you said, it's crazy mm-hmm. because Jason's correction officer, I'm in prison and you're in the military. And it's mm-hmm. like that is like crazy. I never would have thought Jason would even do like he's such a hot head. I didn't even think he would be well, you know. It's more to him if you talk to him. Yeah. Yeah, that
0: mm-hmm. I never. Yeah, you in the military? I mean, man, I never seen that coming because you was. Oh my gosh, she was a nuisance. Like he was badass. Oh my kid. gosh, that's what I'm saying. You, that's what I'm saying. I was. <laughs> oh my god. I was bad. I was a bad kid. I was a bad kid all the way up into the point oh. where my mom remarried, and I had a father figure. Right. Once I got a father figure. I felt like somebody was actually nurturing me oh. to be better, so, basically, and molding me basically, into be into being a better person. You daddy issues. No, I don't have daddy. I never <laughs> think that I have daddy issues because at the end of the day, I had a father figure. No, I had no. several father figures. I still have father figures, so I, it's not a situation where I'm like, I have daddy issues in the terms of. I'm longing for a father or I'm searching for those, for my father and a man. I don't have that issue. I think okay. if anything, I'm more so just, I would like, I long for stability. Mm-hmm. I, I choose my man based on how stable he is, based on, okay. you know, the security that he makes me feel. Because I know exactly. what I do what I wanted growing up that I couldn't have. I don't, I don't think I have daddy issues. I think I have issues with my father, but I don't have daddy issues because I don't, I don't look for Okay, okay. when I say, a dad, let me clear about it. When I say daddy issues, I mean that based on your experience with
1: your father, that's how you determine your relationships and how you want your life to be because of that experience with your own father.
0: I think that's everybody. I think that's everybody. I think we all do that yeah. with our parents. Like, I know guys who are mama's boys, who were raised by single mothers, yeah. and they look for the attributes yeah. that their mom has yeah. in that woman. I know, I know women who have excellent fathers who told them from an early age that they're beautiful. So now every man that they deal with has to tell them that. I think we all do that yeah. naturally. Yeah, that is
1: true. Cause there's some crazy females out there like that. I know some of them.
0: Don't start with that. Do not start with that. <laughs> not on this podcast. Oh, this is pro
1: so, women. So, oh, my bad. I just I put all females. <laughs> hey, no, of course it is. We'll stuff out the females. Like, it's still time. It's our time right now. Y'all y'all booming right now. I'm saying me. we're getting it. All y'all need is a,
0: a female president. Y'all booming. Y'all did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a long way to go still. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this is a good place to wrap it up. I just want to get your top advice for people who have a family member that is incarcerated. How could they best be there for them? What steps should they look into? And
1: I think it really, it, it really is like it's little things: letters, pictures, cards every holidays, or just show them that they're not forgotten. Because once people feel forgotten that's when all hope is lost
0: mm-hmm. if you have any advice for people who um are struggling to stay there or stay strong mentally or for people who are going through tough situations how can they maintain that mental strength or get that mental fortitude to keep going
1: well first it has to begin with themselves They have to want better for themselves. They have to not want to get trapped in mental mental aspect of going time. And it's like Mm -hmm. that can be difficult, but
0: that's I mean in life. Yeah, I mean because I feel like even regardless of like what situation I think, you know, you can have I feel like you have a great grasp on being strong mentally and, and maintaining hope and faith? Like, how can people get there?
1: I don't know. It's all based on the individual and the outlook on life. And I would advise them mm-hmm. to look for somebody positive or don't be afraid to talk to somebody or so ask for help. That's what a lot of men do have a problem with asking for help when it's needed. They're afraid of being looked mm-hmm. at as weak or soft or whatever the case may be. It's like, that's, that's not the case. We help patch for even if you just talk to them. Be open and talk to talking, talking somebody trust.
0: Yeah, I agree. I always say you don't have to carry the weight of life right by yourself. By yourself. Lean on the people around you, and and allow yourself to build connections to new people who can help you.
1: right because I mean, there's, there's a saying I like in Bible friends are better than one. one call the other would pick them up. So it's like, ain't nothing that you can't do it by yourself.
0: Thank you so much for coming on and being a part of the podcast. Um well, hold on. I know you be on my phone every single day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, hold on, hold on. I might want to take him to the ladies' office. What? Now, Hope, can I close out
0: the episode first? Nah,
1: heck Nah, I gotta talk to the ladies real quick. Whoa!
0: Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold on, oh, no, 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 no. Nah. That's not this. This nah. is not the platform for <laughs> that.
1: Uh, <laughs> nah. I'm joking, I'm joking. Alright, alright, alright. Right. Real will see. Alright, people. Oh wait, wait, hold on, wait. Can I say something? Okay. I have a saying. A saying that I go by. It goes it goes like this. Imagine what you want as if it already exists. Open the door to letting it happen. Keep that mind free. Anything you put your mind to.
0: Period. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Um right. thank you for talking with me and being so open about, you know, your life and your situation. And right yeah you can you can say goodbye if you want
1: (laughs) oh bye everybody (laughs) uh uh pisces next time